0: Today, we'll be discussing the new movie, The Batman, and we'll be discussing the mysterious illness, anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Doja and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment and question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic from medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today, we'll be giving our thoughts on the recent movie, The Batman, and we'll be discussing the history and evolution of the character. And we'll be discussing the mysterious illness, Anti-NMDA Receptor Encephalitis, also called the Brain on Fire Disease. So Ali, let's just get right into it. I wanted to talk to you about, I don't know if it's your favorite comic book character, but I wonder because here's a little thing that people may not have known if they didn't listen to early episodes of the podcast. Ali and I, when we were kids, used to play Batman and Robin, and he used to always make me be Robin, and he was always Batman. So I wonder, is he your favorite comic <laughs> book character?
1: I'm a big fan. I am a big fan. I mean, First of all, I thought you were going to say it's a big moment for us because we've both seen the same movie yeah. at the same time. and that's we have pretty not pretty discussed it.
0: That's, that's really important. We have, we have yeah, not discussed it. I told it to you this.
1: I saw Batman, and your reaction was, what? Mm-hmm. Except you held it for another few seconds. So it's a big day for us. And also, yes, this is our, our part of our youth. And you know, my daughter was going to go see this movie without me. She was going to go see it alone, rather than see it with somebody, or even ask me, she was like, "I was," she goes, I'm going to go see Batman. I'm going, oh, no way, with who? And I didn't want to embarrass her. She's going with French. She goes, I don't know, alone, probably. And then I had to do my own. What? I know you think your father is embarrassing, but, you know, come on. I've loved Batman before I loved you. So, like, let's be smart about it. What
0: was her interest in it? Was it just superhero movie DC, or was it Robert Pattinson? Was that
1: It might just be something as simple as Robert Pattinson's jawline, and that's the only reason. But she really, like both my daughters, you know, part of their pandemic accomplishments, I put accomplishments in quotes, are starting, you know, all these Marvel movies, all the Avengers movies from, like, they looked up what order they should watch it, and they watch. And, you know, I had, like, it was right when I, I had no work for so long, and then I finally had some work, and that's when they decided they would watch the movies in order
0: yeah and of course there's two ways of doing it you can watch them in the order they were released in movie theaters or the nerd way is you watch them in chronological order in the order they take place in the marvel universe so you watch the um, first captain america first because it takes place in world war ii
1: right they looked at some nerds youtube site Mm -hmm. and that was the general i don't
0: have a youtube site
1: don't you but yeah, they did that, and uh, you know they're into these superhero movies, which you know you couldn't. My wife couldn't sit for five minutes through a superhero movie. There's just no way. So it's good. It's a source of pride. So I should have expected she was going to go. That is something. You know, it's a genre she really likes. Yeah. So you know, I'm joking about the jawline. I think whatever, whoever was going to be Batman, she was going to want to see it. And.
0: What was your overall impression of this one? Well, hold on. Why don't we say that for the end? Because you guys may recall from our other episodes, Ali is very spoiler averse. Very spoiler averse. So let's all save I wanted our to thoughts. get was
1: your assessment: a thumbs up, oh. thumbs down, maybe a ranking on ten. And then, of course, I wasn't going to. I thought
0: it. it was good, but let's put it in the context of Batman the character. I think that. So let's say that for the end. Okay. Let's do all right, all right. And, we'll, and we'll give a spoiler alert if we're going to discuss the spoilers for like. Kind of the main plot points of the movie, but we'll try and talk about generally first. So let's just backtrack a sec. You're just jumping the gun here. Like Batman, (laughs) you know how long he's been around for? Created March 30th, 1939. That was when the 27th issue of Detective Comics came out. Bob Kane, of course, uh, was the artist. uh, That's who people mainly attribute the creation of Batman to, but Bill Finger was the writer as well. And then we've seen this evolution named of named Bill
1: Finger because he would sketch Batman drawings with his
0: finger. Not true. So Not true. Batman, the characters kind of evolved over time. You know, at the beginning was kind of this more serious character, then evolved kind of into the a bit more campy, and then well, we'll talk about what happened. So the campiness I think hit its peak when i don't know if i saw batman comic first or i saw the tv show with adam west first but cuz that was on reruns honestly it was probably around at 6:30 a.m. on a saturday morning and i was up watching <laughs> it in reruns yeah. so you know that's what i think of batman when i first think about it. i don't know what, how about sure and thinking?
1: you'd be forgiven i think to forget which one came first because they were a copy of each other they really just tried to copy the, the comic, comic books, books yeah, right? Yeah. With the punch having the same yeah. dushum and the dushma. Was dushum and dushma is very Bollywood, but uh, kapow and paff and biff. I don't remember exactly what all the sounds were. You probably have them listed somewhere in a booklet. But yeah, I mean, it was really as close to, you know, without animation being a thing yet. You know, it was as close to the comic books as they could get for the time.
0: And I still love that show. Like, that was what Batman was to me. So, I know we're going to get into the whole seriousness of Batman later on, but... To me, that was Batman and Robin and Commissioner Gordon and the Batphone and the Batmobile. I mean, the Batmobile was amazing back then. That was mm-hmm. unbelievable. And all, and the Joker and the Penguin. I mean, Burgess Meredith is still an amazing penguin. Cesar Romero, all the different Catwomen, yeah. women who played Catwoman. I mean, it was tons of fun. And, you know, I've even watched like the, you know, they made this movie. The movie is the one that, uh, he has the shark repellent from his utility belt that he sprays on the shark that kind of meme, but it's still fun. Like I still like it.
1: And you're allowed to, so you don't have to. So what you didn't like it. But like what? No, of course I did. Don't be silly. That's our roots, man. That's our roots. It was when I think it was in 89 when, you know, Tim Burton got involved. Tim Burton, you know, he, he's going to lend, inevitably lend an Edward Scissorhands and, you know, Sleepy Hollow vibe to Batman Uh, Beetlejuice as well. And I mentioned Beetlejuice because I can only assume that he had just worked with Michael Keaton on Beetlejuice. And then they worked on the first Batman together. I think a lot of people, as we'd been prepared for what was to, it was going to be a darker, grittier version of Batman. I think a lot of people might've been like, what? Michael Keaton? Right? That's not super... But I think Tim Burton knew about this guy's acting prowess and and what he was capable of. He was right, in my opinion.
0: I was thinking about Tim Burton the other day. He's definitely had lots of hits, lots of misses, too. But Beetlejuice is, I mean, almost a perfect movie. I gotta rewatch. I gotta rewatch. It's very well done. I want to watch it again with my kids, actually, because I think it's great. It's scary and funny, and I just think it was really well done. So I think that's exactly why he picked Michael Keaton. And, of course, we just got to backtrack for a second... I think you may have been... I don't know if you were collecting comics at this time, Ali, but in the mid-'80s, two comics came out that kind of revolutionized comics as we know them. One was Watchmen, which is Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' comic that's been made into a movie. It's been made into a a series that was kind of reimagined a couple years ago on HBO. And the other one was Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, which came out in 1986, a four-issue miniseries. And it was like... It was... Insane what he did. It was a future version of Batman who's old, grizzled, kind of a dirty, hairy type person. Robin had been killed and he's hyper violent and he has this. You see, the Joker appears later, but it was an extremely dark take on The Dark Knight. And I've never been done before. So those two comics kind of change comics into being dark, gritty. You know, in quotation marks, realistic, still not realistic, but obviously because it's people dressing up in costumes.
1: You have to excuse my ignorance on that. Is that a fact that both of those changed the landscape of all comic books? The whole, yeah, okay, interesting.
0: Anyway, you know, and Frank Miller. Anyway, this was kind of his major accomplishment. I think he's a bit of diminishing returns as his life has gone on, his career has gone on. But anyway, so this was it. So that's why this 1989 Batman movie, Tim Burton's Batman was different than what people may have been expecting because it is darker than what we would have expected. And I mean, I was there. I went on opening night in my hometown of Ottawa with my buddies standing in line. You know, back then, no assigned seats. You don't buy your tickets in in advance. You just line up and you hope that you're going to get a seat. Like a schlub. And so we did it. We had a great time. There's a scene in the movie that people might remember. He has the Batmobile, which is all souped up and like crazy, very different than the old Batmobile from the TV show. Because remember, that's our frame of reference is the TV show. So this was ultra serious, ultra dark. The Joker's, you know, this crazy guy played by jack nicholson and then there's a scene where he also has a bat wing which is his like flying contraption and it goes up into the sky and it superimposes its silhouette on the moon so it looks like the bat symbol and everybody in the theater erupted it was clearly made for everybody to erupt in in cheers and applause (laughs) in the theater so what do you think of tim burns movies we'll say so this one and then batman returns afterwards
1: I do remember, and I don't know, I, it must have just been because of Beetlejuice. I remember having like a, oh, that's weird that Michael Keaton would play this, and very quickly getting over that. I thought he was fantastic, and I thought he had that right combination of seriousness and comedy for what they were going for. And I like Batman Forever, the sequel. No, Batman Not Returns. Not Batman Forever, sorry. The, the Batman Returns, the sequel to Batman, also had Michael Keaton in it. I remember liking them both. Yeah, and that was, again, that Tim Burton and Michael Keaton- Returning, But I think, you know, like so many things from those days, from the 80s and 90s, the sequel was never as good as the first. But that's also because there was a magic associated with this first iteration of Batman.
0: Yeah, I think Batman Returns, I think, is still good. They crammed it full of more people, right? There's Catwoman, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, the Penguin, played by Danny DeVito. There's Max Schreck, who's another villain in it. So they kind of... Have a lot of people, and Batman's almost a secondary character. compared to all these yeah. people, it's also super dark. People don't remember Danny DeVito's penguin bites off a guy's nose; like it's craziness. Uh, <laughs> but then there's also like he has a uh, Danny DeVito has a penguin army, and spoiler, he does die at the end, and the penguins kind of like form a funeral procession and guide him into the water. Like it's still oh, yeah. like Tim Burton-esque, I mean, right? That's so but funny. That's it's right. funny you bring up this the casting of Michael Keaton because. Batman fans are such jerks, and now the internet has just made it worse. I, you remember, there was a big backlash, actually. Not just you. Everybody was, I can't believe Michael Keaton is playing Batman. And then there Who was What did this,
1: people want? What was the suggestion? I Who think should they have wanted,
0: like, you know, some sort of action star. But when you think about it, like a Bruce Willis would probably have been... You know, maybe a good character, but oh, that's yeah, not a yeah. Bruce Willis character, though, right? That's not, you can't really that, but you know, a Schwarzenegger and Stallone were the other big people, probably wouldn't have been good. But that, I think that's the point. Who did you want, right? And I think when someone plays Batman, you need to have both, you need to have the Batman character done well and the Bruce Wayne character. So Bruce Wayne's supposed to be this playboy, kind of like, you know, a bit happy go lucky, kind of like just in the, hanging out with the millionaires of society, and then this dark, brooding Batman. So I thought Michael Keaton was good. But in fact, I'll skip ahead for a second, because the same arguments about people being cast comes up later. Because do you know what other person people were so upset about uh, when in The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan's one movie, which we'll talk about in a second... Everybody hated Heath Ledger. They're like, why is Heath Ledger playing the Joker? And, of course, one of the best performances, you know, in any comic book movie of all time. He won the Oscar. for
1: Maybe in any movie of all time, but...
0: And they're also upset about Robert Pattinson. They were, anyway. But, again, we'll talk about our thoughts about him. But, anyway, this uh, then this franchise, as you said, kind of was at a high with the Tim Burton ones. And then kind of goes down. because Joel Schumacher takes over. We have Batman Forever. We have... The Riddler. I loved Val Kilmer. I, I
1: was a huge Val Kilmer fan. I don't remember feeling particularly. I remember it being sort of a decline.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. There was four movies: Batman, Batman Returns. Then Joel Schumacher comes in, as you said, Batman Forever, and then Batman and Robin, which was George Clooney himself will admit that that was not a proud. Yeah. yeah, I agree
0: with you. I like Val Kilmer, too. And he was coming off Tombstone. Do you remember Tombstone? That was, oh, man. Yeah, he he was so good. Did he, play, Doc, Doc I'm sure he played Doc Doc Holliday? I'm pretty sure it's like Doc Holliday.
1: Dude, I thought I had tuberculosis by the end of the movie. I was just watching. The, it was unbelievable. One of, one of my favorite performances. So, so good. good. So, so good. yeah,
0: I think he was like. And so I thought Val Kilmer did a good job. It's just the rest of the movie around that, the Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face, and then Jim Carrey mm. as a Riddler. Just,
1: that was Jim Carrey, too. Yeah, I It was starting to feel like a vehicle to parade out all these actors of the time, and I guess that's okay, but there's something that doesn't feel – that takes away from the movie for me. You remember that animated film Shark Tale? Yeah. You remember Shark? I felt the same way about Shark. Like, sometimes it's just like, okay, there's too many stars in this. What are you trying to prove? It's just, you know what it is to me? It's that restaurant that you walk by and goes, we serve Sichuan, Vietnamese, Thai, and Canadian cuisine. And I'm like, you know what? You do everything horribly. That's Mm -hmm. what you do. You do a lot of things badly. I get those vibes, I think, when I see all these stars. I'm like, was this movie not good enough? As far as script goes, as far as a few leads go, as far as a good director goes, was it not good enough that you gotta you know flash uh, what's it called smoke and mirrors. So that we can go and see it, and right? I feel like it's and a and like a Batman odd.
0: and Robin is the epitome of that. i said Clooney, we have Chris O'Donnell as Robin. Then we had Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl. Plus Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mister Freeze, and Umar Thurman as Poison Ivy, and some guy I don't remember as Bane. So it would just come on, like it was throwing everything together. Everybody makes fun of the Bat too with nipples on it and stuff like that. But anyway, it was kind of done. There was a cartoon at the time, Batman: The Animated Series, which is excellent and. and probably was the best encapsulation of Batman, but then it kind of got overshadowed by the negative publicity of Batman and Robin.
1: Oh, yeah. And don't just believe us <laughs> that Batman and Robin didn't do well, it did so poorly that it, the next one, which was called What Asif? Batman the next- Begins. No, Batman Unchained. Oh,
0: you mean I the, never saw the, the light one of day that it never came canceled. out. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's because right because
1: of how poorly that's Batman right. and they, Robin they scrapped it so.
0: completely, and numbers. then they weren't sure what to do, and so that's why I guess that's a good segue, even though I got your question wrong. To yes. so they hired Christopher Nolan, so he was off Memento and Insomnia, which is kind of a, a forgotten movie in the Christopher Nolan pantheon, which is a very good movie as well with Al Pacino and Robin Williams. And so he was hired for Batman Begins. They have Christian Bale and then Liam Neeson, who plays one of the main characters, one of the main villains in the movie. And so that's a bit of a spoiler, so I apologize. And so this was like the darker kind of, even more dark than the Tim Burton Batman. No uh, hint of campiness in this at all. And so Maybe we'll just talk about them all together. You can give me your thoughts. Then he did The Dark Knight, which we referenced before, with Heath Ledger's Joker. We'll also have Two-Face in that. And then the final one for his trilogy was The Dark Knight Rises. That's with uh, Tom Hardy's Bane and uh, Catwoman's in it as well. What was your thoughts of the Nolan kind of movies?
1: I like Christopher Nolan so much as a director. Like, he has built so much cred that I couldn't even hate him for very long because of how bad Tenet was. I was like, all right, I'll give you Tenet. You're allowed something as horrific and time-wasting, and you literally stole money out of my hands, Christopher Nolan, with this awful movie, Time I'll Never Get Back, Money I'll Never Get Back, and that's okay because I love what you did. I actually really enjoyed Memento, too, at the time. But what he did in this Batman franchise is just – Man, unbeatable. In fact, you know, I'm nowhere close to these Batman-loving nerds on the internet, but even I, as soon as Christopher Nolan's out of it, I was like, ah, why was he busy? Can't we keep this guy forever? (laughs) Why does he need new challenges? He did a good thing, and he keeps doing a good thing. But The Dark Knight. So Batman, first of all, I really like Christian Bale. I thought he did a great job at it. And also there's, as you said, they went very serious. There's a gravitas to these actors who join him now, right? The Morgan Freemans and Michael Caines and Gary Oldman, right? Like these are like some of the best actors of this time in history. And they are known more than anything for their serious work. Although people will say Michael Caine's done a bunch of clownish stuff, but they can do serious very well. They're not Jim Carrey and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let's say that, right? They're not Danny DeVito. And I think Christopher Nolan taught me something about myself. I didn't even know that I liked that type of darkness that way. I just didn't know that about myself. It it like filled some void in me. I was like, this is so amazing. I could watch this over and over again. I love that. And also, I started paying more attention to music and sound and sound, uh, you know, the scores and all that kind of stuff. Because you don't really have songs, right? You don't really have songs in these movies. But sound is huge. And I'm going to talk about that when we talk about the latest Batman. Well, of course, we forgot
0: to mention Prince doing the soundtrack for the initial Batman movie with Tim Burton, which was. Absolutely amazing. I mean, that is a crazy thing. So much fun. But yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the Dark Knight is the pinnacle of superhero movies, really. I think it's hard for me to think of a better one. I really liked Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the cartoon, like the animated one. But I think the Dark Knight is better.
1: Okay, let me ask you this also. And I mean, you're a professional, I suppose. But let me put this out to our listeners as well. I'm so excited that the Dark Knight exists that I'm desperate to show it to my sons. Now, my seven-year-old, I don't think we're ready for that, but would you show this movie to a 10-year-old? And you know my son, Asif, so you can answer from that perspective as well. Like, he loves all the Harry, like, he was excited about how the Harry Potters got darker after number five, Yeah, and he liked that. Now, there's a huge difference. I don't want to put the Dark Knight in the category of Harry Potter, but... The darkness still made sense. And, you know, the, my younger guy who just turned seven, he's like, can I watch Stranger Things? Can I watch Stranger Things? I watched for a few minutes. I was a bit scared, but I was also five. So now give me a chance, you know? Oh,
0: God. I don't know. I mean, I think Dark Knight is fine, not Stranger Things, but I think that Dark Knight would Dark be Dark Knight fine. is
1: fine? Okay, because I have a friend, our buddy, Q, who says... His level of mental sort of sickness mm-hmm. is too disturbing for a young kid to see.
0: Well, I think the, the the Joker and the reason why it was such a great character that Heath Ledger did, he's unpredictable, right? He just does things just to incite chaos. And that, depending on your child, might be pretty disturbing, right? And so I think it depends on the kid. In other words, I would show my, I want my kids to watch it. The problem with these movies is they may not like them as much as the Marvel because the Marvel movies, there's always some fun in it and there is like mm-hmm. some jokes and stuff like that, but I don't know if you'd call these movies like fun. And again, we'll talk about the new movie, The Batman, in in a second. So yeah, I mean I like these movies. A the funny story about the Dark Knight. I don't know if is interested in this segue story, but it was the first movie my wife and I went to the theater after our first daughter was born. So she was like a couple months old and my sister-in-law was visiting, so she was watching her. And then we get a phone call halfway through the movie. My wife leaves the theater He gives a phone call. She's like, okay, our daughter's been crying for like an hour and a half now. I think we better go. I'm like, Man, the movie's not over yet. <laughs> so we left. So I And then I had to wait for it to come out on DVD. And then I bought the DVD and I watched it at home. So the second time. So I saw I it as like a that. two-parter. And it's quite a long movie. So it actually worked pretty well because we left at kind of a good halfway point of it. So mm-hmm. I had an introversion of first several one? months. That was The Dark Knight? That night. was The Dark Knight, the second one. Not Batman Begins, but The Dark Knight. So that was an interesting side note. So anyway, getting kind of more caught up now with the character. So as you said, Christopher Nolan then left, then they didn't really were kind of debating what to do. And then they were decided to do this Batman versus Superman movie and then have Ben Affleck play the role, played him in Justice League as well. What do you think of Ben Affleck in this?
1: You know, I actually like Ben Affleck. I try not to join the hate parade that is You know, he had me at Good Will Hunting, basically, and he's had me a a number of times since. He's also, people always, you know, run in with, what about Gigli? Yeah, okay, he has a fair amount of flop Gigli on the top of that heap. I don't mind Ben Affleck. I don't see the problem with him. I remember this kind of as a low light. It's actually unremarkable to me. It dampened my enthusiasm about the Batman brand a little bit. And that's not on Ben Affleck, you know. Maybe part of it is I just didn't see him in that role, but I just didn't like this. I think people who were maybe in that, like I didn't know who Zack Snyder was. You know, people were like, "This is amazing, Zack Snyder is going to be so good." Uh, Justice League. I didn't know these things as well, so I didn't have the excitement building. I'm very basic, sort of. I just want this to be as good as the last one. And hi, I mean, what what are we what are we trying to do here? Christian Bale was i thought he was just perfection as a batman
0: well it's interesting i actually thought ben affleck was the best bruce wayne out of all the actors we've talked about oh interesting. and so because i thought he has that kind of playboy attitude that he's supposed to have this batman was fine like whatever i mean he was supposed to be a bit older so i can kind of think maybe it's a bit of a different character that these other people are playing or someone in a different stage of their life but I thought it was fine, but a good Bruce Wayne, but fine. And in fact, so what happened was Ben Affleck was supposed to do his own standalone movie and direct it, so star as Batman and and direct it, but he just couldn't get the script that he wanted. It didn't quite work out, so he kind of left the project. And then it kind of languished for a bit. They're trying to figure out what to do. And just as an aside, during all this time, over, say, the past 10 or 12 years, a bunch of video games have come out. These are called the Arkham games based on the first one's called Arkham Asylum. Then there's Arkham City and Arkham Knight. And there's an Arkham Origins one as well. So basically, this is a video game where you play as Batman. But, and they're, you know, critically acclaimed and very well done. The key with these, I'm mentioning this for a reason. The key with these video games is they're the best encapsulation I've seen of Batman outside of a comic book and maybe that animated series we were talking about because it gets at all aspects of the character, kind of the seriousness. And, but also the fact that he's a detective and people kind of forget that he, the other name for him is the dark Knight, but it's actually the dark Knight detective is his other moniker that he goes with. And we forget that because that's not the way he's been portrayed really in film or TV at all. And so, but you know, part of a video game is you exploring, kind of figuring out clues, puzzles and things like that. So it lent itself to that a bit more. So okay. this leads us to the new movie because a lot of people are saying this new movie, a lot of people are saying this new movie is very influenced by these video games. So
1: Just before we dip into the new movie and you tell people to move ahead because we're spoiling, a little uh, fun tidbit for those who did like Robert Keaton and like Asif did Robert like Ben Affleck. Keaton. What did I say? Michael Keaton. Sorry. Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck will be together. In which movie coming up? So this you know? is
0: Flashpoint, which is the new Flash movie. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, I am. Okay, just making sure. You're looking at me through the screen. I, you couldn't like, have been I'm less crazy. enthused No, than it, your is, it is. So, I mean, I'm slightly less enthused because, again, this is a spoiler, but if you don't know this already, but the last Spider-Man movie, lots of other Spider-Mans appear, other actors who've played Spider-Man. Right. So, but this flashpoint is another way of kind of combining all these different people who've played Batman together into one thing, because it involves time travel and different dimensions and things like that. Kind of similar to to the last Spider-Man movie. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'll believe that when I see it, I've been waiting for that movie for a long time. So have you been? Okay. That's we'll we'll see when it comes out. So yeah, all those guys will come back, which should be interesting. But as I was saying, this leads us to this new movie. So we won't do spoilers now. We'll just talk about it in general. So the new movie is by Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves is the director. He directed the Planet of the Apes movies, the kind of reboot. Yeah, which
1: is, by the way, why I hate spoilers so much. Had I looked up Matt Reeves, and I was tempted because it directed by Matt Reeves. I'm like, who's this guy who's, you know, this is a wonderful, uh, whatever you want to call it, pantheon of directors who've directed over the years. Who is this guy? And I didn't look him up. I resisted. And I'm glad I didn't because not only you mentioned... Okay, great. Yeah, Phantom of the... Planet of the Apes, I don't care for much anywhere, But he's uh, known for the WB drama series Felicity. I was like, what? I don't... I'm don't. i glad I didn't know that. I don't need that in my head. I really need to go into movies blank, I find. But then, you know, there's a lot of, like, later investigation about why did this happen? Well, a lot of questions, which I'm going to post to you before this section is done.
0: Anyway, yeah, Matt Reeves. So, and then, as we said, he cast Robert Pattinson... And there was backlash against that, too. But as we've talked about, I think, on a previous episode, Robert Pattinson is a very good actor. And the movie I always point people to is Good Time. It was, It's by the Safty brothers. They made Uncut Gems. And so you said oh, last year man. you saw Uncut Gems. You love that. So the movie they made before that is, is with Robert Pattinson. And, again, it's like all the movies I've talked about. You start watching that movie, and you cannot predict the next thing that's going to happen in that movie. It's so original. He is Really a phenomenal actor. So I was totally enthused. I'm like, this guy can play Bruce Wayne and Batman. We also got Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Paul Dano as the Riddler, and Jeffrey Wright, who I love, as James Gordon. So a lot of great actors in it. Andy Serkis is in it. Colin Farrell plays the Penguin, unrecognizable as the Penguin. Unrecognizable.
1: Ridiculous how many hours he would have sat in the, chair <laughs> in the makeup anyway. chair. Yeah.
0: And this is supposed to be a movie looking at the the early, early career of Batman. So we talked about Ben Affleck was playing the older Batman. This is like he's been crime fighting for like a year or two. So still kind of learning things, learning, you know, what his role is in Gotham City. So maybe we'll just talk generally, like, what do you think of this movie, his performance, like Patterson's performance? I like
1: <laughs> I don't know how to listen. I was pretty impressed. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, me too. I think everybody's great in it. Again, I mean, when you hire these actors, and I think the directing and the appearance of the movie is really good. It's dark, but a bit still a bit different than the Batman movies. It's a detective movie as well. Like, in fact, I got home and I felt bad because my wife likes watching like criminal minds and law and order and, you know, they're trying to figure out a mystery. She loves movies like that and TV shows. And I'm like, well, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to track down who the Riddler is, why he's doing these certain crimes. And that's all I'll say now. And so like, that's basically what it is. It's him trying to figure it out. There is action scenes in it, but certainly not to the extent of the other movies. I think it was well-directed, well-acted. And so my overall opinion of this movie is it's the best batman movie that i've seen in my opinion because yeah it's truest to the character like i was getting at with the video games and things like that so it's the best batman movie it's not the best movie starring batman that i've seen but it's the best Batman. Oh, movie. you see the semantics here no but you see what i'm saying the best movie i've seen starring batman is the dark knight mm-hmm. i thought i was being profound I like rolling yeah, his eyes okay
1: great i'm uh... Okay. I couldn't be less enthused about so, this. Okay. Is it spoiler time or why? Okay, give yes. me something. So
0: spoilers to starting. So, so by the way, I'll put a timestamp right here and say, and we'll say spoilers from now on. And then you can just skip ahead to our next section, the medical section, if you don't want to hear the spoilers for this movie. Okay. Ollie, go ahead.
1: Okay. So let me start with some light spoilers just to give people, give a little taste of what I mean by spoilers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what? I didn't even look up Paul Dano. I know Paul Dano's name. Like, I know exactly who that is. I can't picture him. And I was like, I'm not going to look him up. And I'm glad I didn't look him up. I'm glad I didn't look up the movie because when I saw John Torturo, he was fantastic. First of all, I love that dude. I don't want to be sitting through a movie waiting for John Turturro. I want to just get that movie. And Peter Sarsgaard, who I just spoke so highly of when we were talking about Dope Sick, I would have been so pumped that Peter Sarsgaard is in this. And the acting is phenomenal. First of all, if you don't know who Paul Dano is. If you ever saw Little Miss Sunshine, he plays this kid who has taken a vow of silence, who is going to, uh, he wants to fly planes. He wants to be, I think, a military pilot. And on that drive across America in Little Miss Sunshine, he finds out, spoiler, spoiler within a spoiler, that he is colorblind. And he... I mean, he's a young actor at the time. He did such a good job. And Paul Dano in this movie, I don't even know if they had to put on any makeup or anything. I think they're just like, you're ready, buddy. We got we got Colin Farrell in the chair for four and a half hours. You're ready. You're unwashed. Put on your glasses. Boom, you're in. He is so good in this role. I can't even... Oh, God. He was He was like a pleasure to watch. Such a compelling actor. Zoe Kravitz, okay? I mean... At least eight out of ten times that I saw her, I was like, wait a minute, is that Lisa Bonet? Have they switched? Have they just brought her mother in?
0: How much does she look like her mother? It's insane. Agreed. And I've always thought Zoe Kravitz was a pretty good actress. She was in Big Little Lies that we I think we've talked about previously. But mm-hmm. she was great in this. Like, really, she—you're she, captivated whenever she's on the screen. She's amazing. Yeah. she was awesome, and Jeffrey Wright again, amazing. So, oh yeah, he, people should look up Jeffrey Wright. This guy's
1: career is pretty phenomenal. He's in everything, he's always doing everything. In everything. He always does a good job too. Yeah, he's you great. Know so, Jeffrey so you liked it? Any? Yeah. So here's so, okay. So I really, really did enjoy it. Here are the few things that I um, contemplated, or uh, you know, noticed, or struggled with. Right off the bat. Now, I don't know. Do you remember how the Dark Knight starts?
0: A bank robbery.
1: Yeah. But do you remember the sound? Yeah. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Right? It's this, it's part of what I love about the Batman. I, I think I told you that this franchise mm-hmm. started me, getting me more hyper aware of sound. You watch a movie for the third or fourth time, and I've watched that movie about 10 times. You start noticing other things than the actor, the directorial choice, the music choice, so on. And so it's no wasted moments. And these music guys are such geniuses that they take their own music so seriously. The music has to have a through line. And it's often happening at a subconscious level that you only notice when you have watched it a number of times. This movie starts, no music. You just see DC come up on the screen and then stuff starts happening. I was like, what? What? You're not gonna welcome us with some incredible score or sound foley or something? Anyway, I thought that was a strange missed opportunity. And maybe they were building because when he starts his uh car later and he's chasing when he's driving, it's like very full sound. I was in that moment I was like should have gone uh what is it called? ADX Dolby surround, <laughs> should've gone should have sprung the money for the whole audio visual experience. But Yeah, I just thought that was a bit of a missed opportunity. That was a bit odd to me. Well, it's interesting, because I was going to
0: mention something about the score as well. So the score is done by Michael Giacchino. He's been nominated for numerous movies. You've definitely heard his work before. He's kind of the next up-and-coming composer. He's already made it, actually. I shouldn't say he's up-and-coming, but he's doing most of the major movies you've watched. And so he has this kind of theme whenever Batman appears. It almost sounds like the Darth Vader's kind of theme, the Imperial March when you hear it with this heavy bass line coming through. And I thought it was just so well done. It just encapsulated the character so well. And then of course they also, I don't know, your mileage may vary on this, but they use something in the way by Nirvana in this and they use it in the trailer. And because they said, well, that actually has a similar bass line, and we think about it, to the theme for that they use for whenever the Batman appears on screen. And so I think it works. Again, if you thought it was lame, I wouldn't fault you for that. Like, you may have thought it was too much. No, I actually Uh, loved it. I
1: loved where it went. I just thought at the beginning, I was like, we're starting out of silence? Mm -hmm. What the? Yeah, I don't know. You know, this is what happens when you love a movie too much. That, like, the the way I love the Dark Knight, you expect certain things. But these guys are all trying to reinvent themselves, right? They're trying to reinvent themselves as directors and sound guys. All of them are like, "This is my fresh take on this." I don't have to copy them anyway. If there's one thing I struggled with, it's probably the age of Bruce Wayne, right? And again, you know, as I've talked about this with others, they say, "Well, this is." a different Bruce Wayne. He's sort of this bratty kid who hasn't grown into a man yet. So this is the this is the danger of not reading anything ahead of time and going in. Then I'm like, what? I'm not buying him as Bruce Wayne, right? As you say, Ben Affleck and Christian Bale, uh, Michael Keaton, even George Clooney, they were very debonair billionaires. Whereas this guy was like an antisocial sort of like youngish kind of brat, not a brat, God, his parents were murdered for God's sake, but you know what I mean? Like a little bit like, I feel exactly the same way.
0: No, that was exactly what I did. I didn't like the Bruce Wayne of this movie. Now there is an implication that he's changing, right? He's kind of made some realizations by the end of the movie. And so I think maybe the next movie, he's going to become this philanthropist for Gotham city. And then the playboy, because he's really just a recluse emo guy. and So I'll give him maybe that. There were a couple stupid scenes in this movie. Only a couple and they stand out so much because they were so stupid. One is when he's trying to figure out the clues and he just spray paints the different clues to connect them on his like dining room floor. Like, Mm. what, what are you doing? Just like, Pull it up on a computer, like, or do like a little, you know, cork board. Like, what are you doing? It
1: just so yeah, but even in the basement, the technology he was using, like that microfiche technology from libraries in the late eighties. Yeah. Like the whole thing, I was like, does it has the cell phone not been invented yet? I was a little confused about that. I didn't find it was so stupid, but I was like, he's really not using technology to its fullest.
0: To yeah, it didn't really make sense. And then there's a thing at the end where he's being beaten up, and then he just randomly pulls out a green vial from his, you know, utility belt and then jabs himself. What was that? Was that the the Bane serum from the comic books or was it like adrenaline? Like, it didn't make any, what are you doing? Like, it doesn't make any sense. So, I don't know. There were a couple of strange things. And at the end, there's a whole thing where the the stadium floods that he's in and he kind of rescues these people to bring them to like another flooded area of the stadium. Like it's all less a bit, flooded. it's all a bit less flooded, bit unclear. But anyway, and the only reason I mentioned those is because they were so strange that they did that. It really yeah. kind of took me out of it. Cause there were just a couple, so maybe two or three like stupid scenes in it, but otherwise it's definitely worth seeing. Like I said, I felt bad. I didn't go with my wife. That's to a it. good
1: movie folks. Asif usually finds 40 to 50 stupid scenes in a movie. So this is Let's, like a big day for all of us.
0: Anyway, go see it. So, I mean, hopefully we've encapsulated our uh, love of Batman and our
1: love of this new movie. I never got to ask you, who's Paul Dano talking to at the end? Who's in that cell beside
0: him? So, The Joker? It is the Joker. And the reason why you know that is because they just released, Ali, a deleted scene from the movie where Batman goes and talks to the Joker. It's clearly the Joker. It's supposed to be like, you know, in uh, Silence of the Lambs where Clarice has to go see Hannibal Lecter to get, you know, the eyes. He's eating fava beans? Yeah, to figure out, to get in the mind of this other serial killer, the whatever, Buffalo Mm. Bill, whatever his name was. So that's what, they had a scene like that. Fully it was clearly him visiting the Joker in jail and they and, took it out because they thought it was too distracting and didn't help didn't help the flow of the movie.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good choice to take it out, but now I'm super curious who was playing the Joker do we know? That's a guy
0: no. named Barry Keoghan. Keogan. I'm not pronouncing his name right. I don't really know who he is. And of course mm-hmm. I think the other reason they put it at the end and he's in the shadows is because if they want to recast it next movie, they'll just recast it, right? It's not right. It's not gonna be. So anyway, yeah, everybody can watch that deleted scene. It just came out like last week, so
1: All right, so awesome. Let's start with this. This is anti-MDNA. No. People who don't like ecstasy. They don't want people to go to Raves. They don't want people. Do I got it wrong?
0: No, just uh yeah. We
1: <laughs> Anti... You know how hard it is to say NMDA? It's I don't know why. The N and the M. You years, years of being trained that it's M-N-O-P-Q, right? And oh, then right. I don't know. I find it very difficult. Anti-NMDA, receptor, encephalitis is something that I want you to talk about it, but I also want to talk about your very interesting connection to it. You tell us what it is, but tell us how you first came across it.
0: Right. So this is a new disorder that was discovered essentially about 15 years ago or so. And it's very rare in medicine to have brand new disorders. I don't mean like COVID-19, where it's like a new kind of coronavirus. Like we had old coronaviruses and now we're finding just a, kind of a different strain of it. I'm talking about a brand new disease that was discovered. doesn't mean it started now, and we'll get into that in a second, but one that is kind of discovered or identified. Okay,
1: that's interesting because the average cynic like myself says they're always coming up with you know syndromes and conditions like it used to be like uh, you know whatever i i don't have a good example top of mind but something like you know he just needs help focusing when he reads but now it's like let's call it this disorder mm-hmm. and that way we can uh, yeah well, here's an example navigate. like uh
0: you know i have messy writing we've talked about this many times Ugh. now i would be diagnosed with developmental discoordination disorder that's why perfect I think example evolved, blah, blah, blah. unbelievable well it just you so just have messy writing human yeah, being, yeah.
1: Yeah, but a human being doesn't feel good about those yeah. kind of things. So, but this is not that. This is an Who's actual nude. This is yeah. not something that was molded into a new exactly. sort of
0: wording. Exactly. So I'll give you the overview of this. So basically, predominantly affects women, though it can affect men as well. And what they get is they develop psychiatric symptoms. So kind of almost a psychosis, kind of be more withdrawn. And then they can almost progress into like catatonia. So just staring, unresponsiveness, sometimes to coma sometimes have seizures, sometimes have abnormal movements. Sometimes even it gets so serious, you get like arrhythmias of your heart or things like that. And then some people recover over time to various extents. And so the idea is it can look like a psychiatric disease and it can kind of be misdiagnosed as that. And then it was basically found to be due to this autoimmune attack. So basically your body creates antibodies Often it's in women, it's due to a tumor in their ovaries. And I'll tell you about the tumor in a little bit. So your body is, what they're trying to do is keep that tumor at bay by creating antibodies to attack it. But then your antibodies make a mistake and they start attacking your brain and that causes this encephalitis. Encephalitis just means inflammation of the brain. The most common kind of encephalitis is a viral encephalitis, like a viral meningitis encephalitis, inflammation of the brain from an infection. That's the most common cause, but you can get it for other reasons as well. And so this is a autoimmune encephalitis, but it's also what's called a peroneoplastic encephalitis because it's the neoplasm means a tumor. So it's you know, perineoplastic, because it's because of the tumor, your body is creating this response and causing these side effects. So, we call that a So, it, it
1: comes internally. It comes from inside, whereas Correct. the viral encephalitis comes, comes from. Yeah,
0: that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, you were saying that I have this interesting connection to it. So, years ago at my hospital, uh, we're talking about 2007, 2008, we had a patient who came in with these symptoms. And again, we're like, is it psychiatric? Is it not? Unsure. I was in the hospital for months. And, you know, we, every week we would talk with the other. This
1: wasn't a pediatric person, right? Wasn't, this wasn't a, was. not It was it a young was. person. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh! somehow the picture you painted was of adults and more so women. Mm. So I thought it was for older. Yeah, no,
0: people. it was. And so, you know, every week we would kind of talk like, what's going on there, a million tests done. You know, couldn't find the cause, you know, and then we kept thinking, is it psychiatric? It just doesn't seem like it is. It seems like there's something else going on. And so we like debated and they had every test done this on the sun, including a brain biopsy where you take a sample of their brain tissue. It didn't turn up anything. So we were talking one day and one of the senior neurologists I work with was like, you know, this seems like what's called a limbic encephalitis. The limbic system is a deep system in our brain, often involved in emotion and things like that. And you can get a specific encephalitis from there, usually from a virus as well. But he was like, you know, sometimes you can get a paraneoplastic limbic encephalitis. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. And at this point, you could test for a few of these paraneoplastic Antibodies to kind of make a diagnosis. But it just seemed a bit unlikely. Those ones usually occur more in older people, usually with other kinds of cancer. It just seemed a bit unlikely. So then I was talking to another pediatrician who was taking care of this patient. And they said, well, why don't you just email some, an expert on perineoplastic disorders? So I'm like, okay, I guess so. So I looked up who kind of has written the most in the literature. And I'll just find the person and kind of run the case by them and see. And it's this guy named Joseph Dalmau, who is a Spanish guy. He, uh, MD, he was at UPenn in Philadelphia at the time. Now he's in Spain. So I emailed him and I said, hey, listen, this is what's going on. I'm thinking about testing some of these paraneoplastic antibodies. Here's a test that I could order. Do you think I should order this? Anything else you could think of as going on? He's like, Emails me back right away, the like same day. And he's like, hi, Asif, don't order that panel. That's not what's going on. What they have is this disorder. And he explained to me what anti-NMD receptor encephalitis is. How
1: was is he so sure when the rest of you were like, yeah. It because could be, he's it the person
0: who discovered it. <laughs> and okay. he had published a paper within the past uh, few months about it. And mm. so... In other words, if I had emailed anybody else probably in the world, unless they had read this article or been one of his collaborators, they would have said, I don't know, sure. I'm not sure what's going on. He's like, send me the samples of their blood and spinal fluid that you've collected and I'll run it and I'll tell you. And two weeks later, he emailed me. He's like, yeah, that's what they have. So this was the first patient in Canada that was diagnosed. I know this because I asked him. I'm like, oh, have you diagnosed anybody else in Canada? He's like, no, you're the first. So I knew uh, this person was the first, and then we treated them after that.
1: But wait, what was the treatment? Did you have to remove that tumor, or is there more? So that's
0: a good point. So what we later found out, this was all brand new at the time, but we checked, and this person didn't have a tumor. So what we found out later is people under 18, so children and teens, often don't have a tumor. They often, so we're actually not sure why they developed this immune attack. It may have actually been, Ali, that they got a virus that they cleared, no issues, and then they developed an autoimmune response to that virus and then it attacked the brain. So it may not be a tumor. So this person never had a tumor. And it's, like I said, it's uncommon in kids to see a tumor. So in, in terms of treating it though, we treat with immune suppressive medicines. So corticosteroids and uh, what we call IVIG, which is you take other people's immune globulin that you get. It's basically other people's antibodies from when they donate blood and you give that all as one kind of dose. The way that works is not quite clear, but the way I think about it, this isn't true, but the way I think about it is you're giving someone antibodies that mops up the bad antibodies. Um, mm. And then there's other treatments as well that you can give that kind of uh, affect your. Thanks for response. using
1: verbiage that I can understand. Mop up, I get it. Dude, that's uh, how, how did I explain to patients
0: because, like, that's how I understand it, but it's not how it works. Anybody who's an expert, the kid. Person, more comes.
1: importantly, return to full. Yeah, hundred percent. recovery? Yeah,
0: well, that's and we should talk about this. Most patients, what happens is they have this illness where they you think that maybe they have a psychiatric disease over a couple of weeks. And then they have these more severe complications. And then you start to recover, usually after treatments, in the reverse order. So you you start to become, if you were in a coma, you'd go back to catatonia. And then you go back to having the psychiatric symptoms. And then you kind of recover. But they have noticed that long term, you could have prolonged deficits with executive dysfunction which is kind of your your planning activities and things like that your higher order thinking the example i always give with executive dysfunction is you have a little kid who has executive dysfunction like okay get dressed to go outside in the winter and then they put their boots on first and you're like what no you got to put your snow pants on first because you can't now get your boots oh you know your snow pants over your boots okay right? so it's that kind of higher order planning. So prolonged, they can have impulsivity, disinhibition, executive dysfunction, and sleep problems sometimes. And so we we know now the important thing is to treat patients very aggressively early on. That's the problem when you're dealing with a new disease. In fact, I would tell some of my colleagues and they're like, what, maybe this guy's making it up. How do you know? I'm like, well, they publish it in a peer reviewed journal, but you know, there's this delay. (laughs) Doctor (laughs) distrust among the doctors? Come on. There's this delay. And then now, and of course, then we presented this person's case at conferences to try to raise awareness. And in fact, we had Dr. Dalmar early on come and speak to the Child Neurologist of Canada at our annual meeting. And then, of course, now everybody kind of realizes this. And as time has gone on, we've had, obviously, quicker, quicker recognition. Now, when someone comes in, we kind of can tell almost right away that's what they have, or we're suspicious of it. And now it's opened up this whole field of essentially neuroimmunology or autoimmune neurology, where we're finding there were some disease in the past, multiple sclerosis being the typical one, which is an immune attack on the brain. And there's others as well. But now we've expanded these disorders. And we're finding more and more antibodies to different areas of the brain. So one thing I didn't get into was what is this NMDA receptor? So in our brain, we have neurotransmitters. And the neurotransmitter that we use for excitation is called glutamate. That's the main one we use for excitation. A couple episodes ago, we talked about GABA, which is an inhibitory neurotransmitter. But an excitatory neurotransmitter causes overaction of the brain and nervous system. So that's why you could get psychosis, delusions, seizures, right? Overactive symptoms. And so you basically get attack on these receptors for glutamate because glutamate has different receptors. One of them is called an NMDA receptor. Another one is called an ampokinate receptor. And there's other ones as well. So you get a specific attack on this receptor. As time has gone on, Dr. Dalville and other people around the world have found other antibodies that attack different receptors in the brain for different neurotransmitters. And you could have similar features. Sometimes they have more distinct features and things like that. So we've discovered more and more and more over time. So now, if someone comes in with this, we don't just order one test for the anti-NMDA, we order a panel which tests for all these different kinds of autoimmune receptor antibodies.
1: I may not have caught it. You may have said it. What does NMDA stand for?
0: It stands for N-methyl-D-aspartate. So the N-methyl-D-aspartate receptor. Like I said, it's a type of receptor for glutamate, which is a neurotransmitter in the brain. So the other thing I mentioned before was these tumors, right? So like I said, not every patient has a tumor. And they're often ovarian tumors. And there are men who get it. So again, that wouldn't be an ovarian tumor in a man. And again, more common in adults than kids to have an ovarian tumor. But the tumor is a very interesting tumor. It's called a teratoma. I don't think you would have ever heard of this type of tumor before. Sure don't. Sure haven't. So it's a benign tumor. So in other words, it's not cancerous, not malignant. But it's a very weird tumor. It kind of originates from the ectoderm, which is the primordial cells that make up our skin, hair, and teeth. So when you cut open this tumor, it can have hair and teeth in the tumor. Yikes. If you want to really old school, old
1: school style.
0: <laughs> if you want to really frighten yourself, just do Google image search for ovarian teratomas. So I was gonna do that and send them to you, but I'm like, I won't do that. It's
1: spoiler, quite no spoiler, crazy
0: that this kind of exists. And you learn about it in medical school. You're like, what? This is
1: this is nuts. a it's a primordial tumor. Is that what you call it? No, it, it's yeah, a t- you can think of it like tumor that. With primordial, because it
0: comes from like these kind of primordial cells and like these early cells when we're developing i'm just simplifying it but these early cells that when we're developing in the womb so anyway so again we look for those and if i have a patient with it and we didn't find one i do like a scan every year looking at their ovaries if they're female just to make sure i do that till we're 18. Oh, every year yeah. because there's a very interesting thing so again when this was coming out when this was be like, you know, again, we saw a case, lots of other groups around the, the world were publishing cases, and there's a group from Japan who saw this and they're like, this is really interesting because they had some patients who were actually still in psychiatric hospitals, but they're like, this sounds exactly like the patients we have. And so they actually said, oh, you know what? We actually have the spinal fluid and blood samples from when they came in like years ago. So let's test that. And then they were positive for this. They sent them and they were, and they, and they had this. So they diagnosed them retrospectively. And then they're like, it's weird because we did scans in all these people. So they scanned some of them years later and they're like, Oh my gosh, they, now they have an ovarian teratoma. We found it in these patients. Of course, they had gone on years without treatment. So some of them didn't end up doing too well, but it's just crazy that they had all these samples saved and they could go back. So now you think, well, wait a minute. Now I think back to my, even my residency, you know, and when I was at, in Toronto, there's at least probably three patients I can think of who I'm sure had this or something similar and autoimmune this. but we just couldn't test for it. We didn't know it existed. It hadn't been described. Now in hindsight, I can think of those patients and even more, some people have written about, you know, demonic possession that we saw in the past and we have to get the exorcist here and things like that. They think that that's actually what these patients have because they have very bizarre behavior. This catatonia, all of a sudden, abnormal movements like seizures. You can also get a movement disorder where you have these abnormal kind of pursing of your lips. It's very characteristic in these patients, and you know, in someone who is previously normal, and then they have no memory of this. The other thing is, NMDA receptors are involved in memory, so they often have no memory of what happened mm. during this whole time.
1: It really does. Even when you first described it, and now sounds like horror movie tropes. You know, it's like what the horror movie writer or director will go to, you know, let's have them not remember anything. Let's have them stare out the window and then do weird things.
0: So, well, in fact, there was a movie made about this. So what happened was it gained more and more prominence. And then a New York Post writer by the name of Susanna Callahan got MMDA receptor encephalitis. So she wrote a book about it called Brain on Fire, My Month of Madness. So I read her book. It was given to me by the mother of one of my patients, actually. And it's crazy. I mean, the problem is she has to piece together because she doesn't remember a part, part of this. So she knows everything up to it. And then she has to talk to, I think it was her boyfriend and fiance, the physician who treated her, who kind of diagnosed her with it. And again, there's a movie
1: was, called Brain on Fire,
0: which it was based it's on, which is based yeah. on, on okay. her book. It's starring Chloe Grace Moretz. And so, yeah. So it's been depicted in the media. So it's just, you know, overall, I find this a very interesting disease because again it's a new disease and a new class of diseases that again I'm not saying they didn't exist before they did we just couldn't identify them before and now we can identify them so it's it's fascinating when in your lifetime as a physician something new can come like this and, and we can diagnose it and unlike some of the other things that you mentioned you were kind of getting at it's not a controversial diagnosis you know there's lots of diagnoses that people are like oh i'm not sure this exists or whatever or, or we think it's all psychogenic or things like that it's totally not there's tests you can do for it there's treatment you can do for it so anyway, yeah i just thought I'd, i would bring it up it's good
1: And taking all that into account, I will say that for your handwriting in particular, you probably should seek some kind of treatment.
0: Thank you. Listen, before we get out of here, I just want to mention, again, one of my patient's parents started something called the Anti-NMDA Foundation, a nonprofit that raises awareness and money. And the best part about it is it has lots of patient stories on it. And so if you're interested, I'm going to put a link. You can check out the website, read some of these stories, and of course, maybe consider donating to the foundation.
1: Amazing. All right. I hope we didn't spoil a movie for anybody. You know, that's like my nightmare for myself and for others. But uh, hopefully it got you re-excited about the Batman franchise if you weren't. And presumably you would have learned something new about this new disease and Osif's little uh, connection to history. Medical history. A Canadian medical history moment with Osif Doja. Mm, really, it was just an email. Probably. But still, that's pretty. Like you said, if you had emailed anyone else, that would have gone nowhere. So... That's huge.
0: And I thank Dr. Damo for getting back to me. He's a super nice guy, very, very busy guy now back then because I again mean, he didn't have that many patients with it. you know I could email him when I had a new patient and get his advice. Now I mean he's you know there's thousands and thousands of these patients so he and more and more expertise being developed in different parts of the world. So we got a lot of stuff coming up soon on the podcast Some interesting guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. Tell them, tell them who they are. Tell them. No, they, they, may, no. they may fall through, but how about this? There are people <laughs> who have, Ali has collaborated with in the past. How about that? And then we, we got some other interesting topics coming up too. I remember reach out to us, Dr. B. comedian at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about this. Let us know what you thought about this movie, the Batman.
1: Always appreciate your suggestions for episodes when we can do them, uh, sort of, or get, you know, if we have the knowledge and the experience and, and or, or we can get a guest on that can talk, Knowledgeably about the subject, we're happy to do it. Yeah, uh, I should say,
0: yeah. you guys have some suggestions that we think may be a bit better for guests. Again, we won't spoil it, but we're going to try and work on that over the next couple of months. Get some expertise on the show, both with regards to comedy and entertainment and with medicine. And reach out to us, Dr. Be Comedian, on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, on Instagram. And remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only. They're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye-bye.